today we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. The title is Walk in Unity. Everybody say unity. Oh my goodness, this is a fun topic. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, in all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Wow. Well, let's pray and let's ask the Lord's hand on this time as we open his word. Mighty God, I just thank you for your word. And I just ask, Lord, that even now you would just release an anointing. God, that you would anoint each and every person within the sound of my voice. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart that, that, that perceives what your spirit is speaking, mighty God. And I ask even over myself that an anointing would rest upon me. Lord, that I would preach under the unction and the authority of your Holy Spirit. God, the word that changes and transforms and liberates and corrects and, uh, and, and realigns us, mighty God. And I just withstand. I stand against, Lord, the enemy who would try and divide or confuse or, or uproot the word even as it comes forward, mighty God. I ask that you would give us liberty by your spirit today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned, and I had you repeat the word a moment ago, today is about unity. And really you'll notice that even as we've gone through our theme verse is really about how, how we as a church are better together. In fact, that's the name of the series that we've been in. Everybody say better together. Do you believe yet that we're better together? I, I hope so. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to kind of lay a foundation for it because this is really where uh, you're going to see kind of this pivotal moment happens where Paul begins to express how very important it is. Guys, I I'm telling you, even today, you walking in personal fulfillment as a man or a woman of God, us accomplishing what the Lord desires for us as King's Kona and for this city, even the outbreak of miracles in the power of God. I'm telling you, it all hinges on this idea of us being together in unity. And so, so we're going to learn and we're going to grow. And I'm going to show you exactly, well, how do you say that, Pastor? Well, I'm going to show you right now. And so uh, I'll, I'll just give you the three points up front, three things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to walk in our calling. We're going to walk in unity, and we're going to walk in faith. I believe this is how we're really going to establish this better together mindset. We're going to walk in our calling, walk in unity, and walk in faith. So first, without any delay, I'm going to jump right into it. First, we must walk in our calling. I want you to look at your neighbor, and, you, and I want you to say, you're called of God. I want you to look at another neighbor and you say, I have the call of God on my life. Do you know that? Do you believe that? 
I sure hope, that's why I made you say it. Some of you may think, well, they're called, but I'm, I, I don't have this great. No, you all have a call. We all have a call. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose for each and every one of us. And it's very, very important. And so, you know, I, I, I just asked the question and I, I, I get inspired. I don't know if you guys do this, but I try and take and learn from other men and women of God who've gone before me. You understand, we could save ourselves a lot of headache and a lot of heartache if we would just learn from the mistakes or the instruction of people who've gone before us. You understand? I'll never forget Dr. Morocco sharing a story. Dr. Morocco is our apostle. I don't have any shame in calling him that. Uh, He's our covering, and uh, he's so much the reason that we're here today. But Dr. Morocco, I remember when he was early in his ministry, he shares a story about a dream that he had. And in this dream, he was standing before God Almighty on Judgment Day. Now, of course, he'd made it into heaven, but now he was being tested. His works and the things that he had accomplished in his life, it was was time to be judged according to what he had done. And the Lord asked him the question, Son, why didn't you believe me for more. And he he was looking around and thinking about the churches that were planted and he's like, "God, I didn't have the money for it. I didn't have the strength for that. I didn't have enough people around me." And the Lord responded to him, "Son, don't you think if you simply would have asked me, and if you only would have believed, I would have given you everything that you needed." I don't know about you, But I thank God that the Lord spoke to Dr. Morocco. I thank God that he took that seriously. But that challenges me, friend, because how often has it been that that God's put a dream in your heart? He's put a call on your life. He's given an assignment to our church, and and we just think, man, I'm not qualified to do that. I didn't go to school for that. I don't don't have people. I don't have resources. And I just want to echo the very same thing that Dr. Morocco heard in that dream in your life. Son, daughter, don't you think that if you would have just asked me or if you would have just believed me that I would have given you everything that you need? You guys, my desire with all my heart is I don't want to stand before God on judgment day. I don't, I don't have a fear personally that I'm going to miss heaven. I know that I'm going to make it in. But I don't want to stand before God when my works are tested and when I am judged according to what I have done for the Lord. I don't want to be embarrassed on that day because the Lord had so much more for me to do. And so look at what it says here in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4. He says, I beseech you, or I'm begging you, I'm imploring, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Wow. You want to know one of the ways that we're going to walk in unity and we're going to be better together? We, let, let me say it this way. The way we are going to be in unity is when I walk worthy of my calling. When you walk worthy of your calling. Do you catch the way I'm talking here? We get so concerned sometimes. In fact, I never forget the first church that we pastored. And and my wife and I, we've been in ministry for almost 15 years now. And we've only experienced one church split ever. And it was at the very beginning of our ministry. 
And part of that, you know, we go into this church, and I'll never forget this, uh, this individual, uh, who I won't tell you their name, uh, but this individual come, you wouldn't know who it is anyway, but they come to me and they begin telling me they were in a prayer meeting and there's a Jezebel in the church and, uh, and all of this. And, you know, as a, as a young pastor, I mean, I'm 21 when I took our first church. At 21, I mean, I was concerned. Oh, no, there's a Jezebel in our church. What are we going to do? And uh, I really didn't know. Now, of course, they didn't tell me, you know, I should have just asked him, well, what do you see that's going on? Or who do you think that is? Tell me what you even think a Jezebel spirit is you know I've learned since that time that can mean a whole lot of different things and usually it just means that this person got in a fight with somebody else has no you understand and so you've experienced this and I you know the thing is I didn't deal with that properly at that time I didn't know any better and and you know what ended up happening is this this individual is accusing everybody oh they're a Jezebel and they've got a Jezebel spirit in their life group and this is Jezebel and I actually banned Jezebel talk in our I don't want to hear anything else about Jezebel okay but what ends up happening is there eventually is revealed that there was a Jezebel in the church and guess what it was the person who was making all these accusations. And truly, I mean, I, I mean that in all honesty. And they were the ones that ended up splitting the church and uh, took a number of people with them. And again, since that time, I, I've just I've learned some things. And so one of these days we may talk about Jezebel. I praise God. I don't see any Jezebels in the house. We're going to stay that way. But here's one of the ways. Here's one of the ways. You are to walk worthy of your calling. How are we going to get along? Listen, stop being concerned about what this person is doing and what that person is saying and what spirit this guy. What you need to do is look in the mirror and say, Jesus, I need your help. I have a calling to walk. You know, you understand, if you get concerned about the call that God has on your life, you're going to stop being so concerned about the way that everybody else is walking with the Lord. I've got enough trouble walking out my own Christian walk to worry about the way that you're walking out your walk. Am I making sense today? We need to walk worthy of the calling. And, and the Bible actually gives us a, a, a couple ways that we, should, that we can do this. One of the ways is um, we need to keep eternity in mind. I want you to think about Leonard Ravenhill made a statement one time, if God should stamp eternity on our eyeballs or on our hearts, we would be very different tribe of people, God's people in the world today. Stamp eternity on my eyes. What I mean by that is I just want you to run through Judgment Day some of the reasons that we've used that we haven't stepped into the call of God for our lives or, or even as a church? What are the excuses? Well, man, this person hurt my feelings, right? There was a lady who was a Jezebel, right, like we were talking about. What are the reasons? Man, I just, I was too busy or I didn't have enough. And I just want you to imagine for a moment you're standing before God on Judgment Day. And he begins to ask you, well, you know, I put it on your heart to to minister to children. I, I put it on your heart to, to reach out to the homeless. Why didn't you go on that mission trip? Or, or why didn't you give into that building fund? And you just imagine God begins to ask you why you didn't do certain things that he called you to do. And how are your excuses going to sound on that day? Well, the board decided to go a different direction, so I couldn't be a part of that church any longer. 
Think about this. Imagine you're going to see a guy who's standing next to you. He's like holding his head because he got beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think he'll really be holding his head. He'll be healed, right, and whole. But you're going to have people like that. You're going to, you know, you're going to be whining because somebody talked bad about you. And you're looking at people that got beheaded for their faith. You're going to see a little girl that got ate by lions because she lived in Rome in the, you know, in, in the in the early days of the church when they had the Colosseum and all this and feeding Christians. And you're going to look around and see that kind of stuff. And I just, that stuff challenges me. I keep eternity in mind. Think about, man, what is it that makes me tired or makes me want to give up? Now, he gives us a list here. Now, and, and let me just tell you, we're going to, let's have no victims. We've all been hurt. We've all been offended. We've all had sin. We all have brokenness. Let's get healed and let's get on and walk worthy of the call that God has on our lives. Amen. Now he gives us a checklist here. So how, how are we going to walk worthy? Well, he gives us a checklist starting in verse 2. He says, humility. Walk lowly. You'll notice that this is foundational for every Christian, man. We need to, we need to learn, learn to walk humbly before the Lord. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. How many of you want God to be gracious to you? I sure do. It's the first beatitude that, that Jesus lists in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 3, on the Sermon on the Mount. And in Philippians chapter 2, in verse 3, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says this, Don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble. I would tell you to turn to your neighbor and tell him be humble, but that's kind of the point of this verse is, no, I need to be humble. So point at yourself and say, be humble. You need to be humble. We need to, I need to be humble, okay? Don't, and it says this, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Boy, there's a lot that I could say about that. Not just people that you think are better than you. Even people you think are not better than you. You should esteem them as better than yourself. That's humility, friend. And then it says this. We're going. This is our path to unity, right? Meekness. Everybody say meekness. What in the world is that? It's a vocabulary word. If you don't know it, we we ought to learn it together. It literally means controlled power. Meekness sounds like weakness, but it's not weakness. Meekness is what Jesus walked in. You understand, Jesus, like, uh, he had people arresting him, accusing him, crucifying him, and he made the statement as he was about to be in prison. He said, I have six legions of angels at my dispatch right now. Thousands and thousands. You know what that is? He's saying, Peter, I don't need you to cut off ears for me any longer. No, I don't need anybody to tell me that I can get off of this cross. I can do that. I have angels at my disposal. You remember, they're walking down the road and some guys begin mocking them. Jesus, should we call down fire on their heads? They could have. But what I want you to understand is Jesus had this power. He had access to all sorts of things, and yet he walked in meekness. I could destroy you, but I'm going to serve you. I could kill you all with a snap of a finger, with a blink of my eye, but I'm going to sacrifice for you instead. That's meekness. Friend, we all have those moments where I could tear you down with my words. 
I could give you hand gestures that would offend you. I could smear your name. But instead, we, you know what, I'm, I'm going to bless you instead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve you instead. I'm going to be kind. That's meekness, and we all need to operate that. Again, we're, we're talking about our path to unity. How are we going to get along? How are we going to fulfill the call? We're going to walk worthy. Part of that is long-suffering. Now, what does that mean? It literally means long-tempered. It's the opposite of short-tempered. Help me, Jesus. Are you a long-tempered or a short-tempered person? I, and I, I know it, it, something on this list is going to poke at one of you. I know. Something's, it's it's going to get all of us somewhere. We all have room to grow. Are you patient with people or are you short-tempered? Help us, Lord. Bearing with one another in love. That's the last thing that he shares on this list. How are we going to walk worthy? Well, you bear one another in love. Bear literally means to hold up. So when you see a Christian brother or sister struggling in their walk with the Lord, man, their marriage is on the rocks or they're battling this addiction or, or, or they're backsliding into the world, you don't go and beat them over the head and condemn them. No, you look for opportunities to bear them up. What can I do to strengthen you, my friend? How can I pray for you? How can I walk with you? Because how many have been in the position sometime in your Christian walk where you really need somebody, you needed somebody else to encourage you or to bear you up? Remember what that feels like. We've all been in that place where we needed somebody to be patient with our stupidity or somebody to love us through our backsliding or love us through our brokenness. And let's be the same way to other people. It's part of how we're going to Walk in unity. I want to share a good story with you. I think I've got time. Yeah. And uh, there, was a, there was a pastor. Um, you know, my mentor was a man of God by the name of Steve Hill. And uh, awesome man of God. He had a pastor on his staff, Pastor Sean. And there was a, you know, Pastor Sean was always in this, in this position of supporting the call. You know, he, he led the prayer ministry in the church and was powerful, powerful prayer warrior. This is one of those, I've only met two people in the world. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but Pastor Sean would begin to pray and lift up his voice. And I felt at times like my soul would shake inside of me. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, it's a wild, wild thing. I've, again, there's only one other guy that I've met who is like that, but Sean was powerful. But one of the most moving things that I've ever seen or experienced in my life is right around the time that my wife and I moved into ministry, Steve Hill got cancer, melanoma cancer. Should have killed him in six months, but the Lord was faithful, allowed him to, to, to live for another seven years. There were times where the cancer would go in remission and he would come back out. And I mean, he would travel, he would preach, he wrote a book during that time. Uh, in fact, he was on hospice and he cries out to the Lord, God, I, I know that to die is gain, but if you raise me up from this bed, I'll lead a million more souls to Jesus. And within a week, I mean, hospice is in the house. He doesn't even recognize who his wife is as she's standing there in the room. But within one week, he's riding a bicycle around his neighborhood. 
And, uh, and it's in that time he got a book, wrote the last book that he wrote, uh, Spiritual Avalanche, went on Sid Roth, did another uh, whole tour of preaching and all of this. And uh, by God's grace, he ministered to a, mi- he did lead a million more people. In fact, his TV broadcasts and his sermons from the Brownsville Revival, all those things, there's still people coming to the Lord through his ministry to this very day. But what was crazy is my wife and I went to one of the last meetings that he had. Nathan Morris, John Kilpatrick, and these guys were down in Alabama, Bay of the Holy Spirit Revival, and they had a a meeting they they called the Revival Reunion. They brought in all of these leaders from the Brownsville Revival to come and minister there in Alabama. We went to that meeting. Remember, Steve Hill was the guest of honor that night. Nathan Morris had led most of the meetings, but he, Steve, got to preach that night. And he preached, and man, he preached strong. He's like six years into his cancer battle at this point in time. And he preached, he preached strong, powerful, mighty word. And I'll never forget, he goes off the stage because he wants to lay hands on people. There are about 5,000 people there that night, but he wants to lay hands on all of them. And so he moves down into the stage, down from the stage, and I get excited, man, because I want to get prayer too, right? And so he starts praying for people, and, and God starts touching people, but he, he moves out on this side of the, the auditorium, and I'm over here, so my wife and I, we just, we're worshiping, we're going after God, we get prayer from a couple other people, and I remember turning around and seeing the crowds kind of moving, and I could tell Steve was coming back our direction now. So I get excited, you know, and I'm like, I, I want to put myself into position that when he comes through the crowd that he ends up coming to us, right? Have anybody ever been in Pentecostal meetings like that? You know how to position yourself to get prayer. And so I get in the right position, but my heart stops the moment that I see Pastor Steve. Because as the crowd begins to part, as he's getting a little closer, I look and he's as white as a ghost, And he has exhausted himself beyond measure. He's already prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people by the time he comes here. And I could tell, I mean, in his cancer, he was going through chemo and all of this. I mean, he had pushed himself way beyond his limit to the point that he could not even stand any longer. But I'll never forget this picture. I can still picture it in my mind right now of Pastor Sean. He's a big man, six foot something, literally carrying Steve Hill, holding him under his arms and walking him where he wants to go. And Steve's given direction over here. And he's carrying him and watching. And as he lays hands on people, we're watching the presence and power of God touch and, and impact lives. It's one of the most sobering and powerful experiences that I've ever seen in my life. He was bearing him up. Church, I want to encourage you. There's moments in all of our lives where we need to bear one another up. And there's moments where you're going to need somebody to bear you up. He was able to do what the Lord had asked him to do that night because somebody was able to carry him in his moment of physical weakness. Oh, my goodness. I I want to be that for somebody. I I want somebody to be that for me. So we're going to walk worthy of our calling. Everybody say, walk worthy. Now, the second thing is we're going to walk in unity. We're going to walk in unity. Now, watch this. In verse 3, it says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That word endeavoring means work. Everybody say work. That means... (laughs) 
You know, unity is not a feeling that we have for one another. Unity isn't, uh, this guy agrees with me. He says amen when I preach, so I think we can run together. No. Unity is work. It it means that, you know what, I'm going to, it means at times I'm going to bear with you. It means at times I'm going to be long-suffering. This entire list that we ran through, it means, you know what, you didn't show up when I called a meeting, but I'm going to serve you anyway. Are you hearing me? That's what unity is. You don't worry about how they're responding or they're pu- are they pulling their way? I don't know. All I know is I am going to walk worthy of my calling. I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to do the work that it takes to remain in unity with one another. And so this is, this is very important. Why does it matter? I want to I show you something because some people, I, I shared early that You know, I believe the key to revival, the key to miracles, the key to uh, seeing a a mighty move of God is really found in this idea of unity. You say, well, where do you find that, Pastor? One of the things that I believe is happening even in this this COVID day that we're living in is we see see an attempt to, to... undermine the gathering of of people together assembling of people together there are states i mean we had a a family that came in here i I can't even recall where they were visiting from now washington or i don't i don't know if it was somewhere in the northeast or northwest and uh but it was a a young couple and uh, they were associate pastors somewhere and i remember he comes up to me after the service just weeping weeping And he's like, this is the first time we have been in church in over a year. They'd been online. They'd done that kind of thing. But it is something different, friend, when we get together and we worship together. Now, it's true. I know you can can love the Lord in your personal prayer closet. I understand that. But there is something, and I want to show you, there's, there's a moment, in fact, if you do a study through the book of Acts, one of the most sobering things, and this is one of the great evidences, in my mind, for the assembling of ourselves together. Why should we come together for worship? Why should we come together to pray and to gather around the word of God and in life groups? Watch this. In Acts chapter 2, you'll notice that there's, there's a phrase that's used there. They were all Together, everybody say together. 120 in the upper room, and they were in one accord. You know what that they were together, not online, not Zoom meet. They were together in one accord. That's unity. It's the Greek word homothumadon. One passion, one fire, one focus. That's what that word means. So they were together. With one fire, one focus, one passion, one desire. And every time, here's what's crazy. I'm going to show you. Remember that word. They were together, one accord. And we know what happens in Acts chapter 2. Mighty rushing wind. The place that they were assembled was filled with the Holy Spirit. Tongues of fire, right? They were baptized. They were filled. And immediately God does something. 3,000 are added to the kingdom. That's a mighty move of God. Could you imagine? I mean, we got, you know, not quite 100 people here. Could you imagine if God took a meeting this size and in one altar call multiplies it to 3,000? Whoa! Unity. 
together. Now watch this. In Acts chapter 4, they were together. This is in verse 24. It says the same thing. They were together with one accord. And when they prayed, the place they were assembled was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit. They spoke the Word of God with boldness. They were together in unity. And again, I mean, you guys, some people get freaked out. You know, we'll pray for people sometimes, and they'll shake on the ground or something like that. And, oh, you know, we had people run out of the church. That's scary. Man, you imagine the day where we pray, and it's not people that get shaken but our entire building begins to shake how's that going to happen when we're together in one accord in unity now look in chapter 5 in verse 12 by the way that's that same greek word homothumadon when they were in acts chapter 5 and verse 12 it says they were with one accord on solomon's porch again Homothumadon, they were together in unity. And watch, God worked many signs and wonders among the people. Guys, Acts chapter 8, the same thing. They were together in one accord. Verse 6, hearing and seeing miracles, unclean spirits, many who were possessed, many paralyzed and lame were healed. I could keep on going. There's 12 accounts in the book of Acts alone. Homothumadon. They were together in unity, and God moved in power. Seriously, find any expression, any demonstration of the power of God or hundreds or thousands of people coming to the Lord in a moment, you'll always see that. There were people together, and they were in unity. And so you wonder why. Why is the enemy always going to strike and try and divide us against one another? Why is the enemy going to strike and try and keep people from gathering together in a place of worship? Let's not be ignorant or blind to the attacks of the enemy. I'm telling you, Satan could diffuse revival if we give in to this whole thing. Well, we're just going to shut our doors because it's too dangerous. Man, I'm not going to go there. Hallelujah. Let's go. I've, got, I've just got a couple minutes. Let me, I'll have more time the second service. Maybe I'll go on a rant or two. I don't know. Here's number three. So we're going to, let's, let's review real quickly. What are we going to do? We're going to walk worthy of our calling, right? We're going to walk in unity. We're going to do the work of unity. But here's the last one. We're going to walk in faith. We're going to walk in faith. And what I mean by that, you'll notice that there's a list that's given here in the Bible and what I mean by faith is part of the way that we're going to stay unit in unity is that we're going to choose to believe certain things together. We're going to choose to acknowledge, you know what, I believe that the Word of God truly is the Word of God. And I don't get to pick and choose what I believe about the Word. No, the Bible gets to pick at me and, you know, and, and tear at me, right? That's what the Bible does. I'm forming my life around this, not the other way around. There's things in here that offend me, and that's wonderful. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to share it, or I'm going to choose not to believe it, or I'm going to twist theology so I can make it fit my preference. You understand? We, we believe certain things about Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the only means of salvation. We believe that. And, and so 
what we're going to choose to do, part of the way that we're going to be unified is, uh, is, is we're going we're gonna to choose to believe certain things together because I, I make a, you know, kind of light of this at times, but even in our membership, when we go through this, I talk about how, you know, you need to decide if you're going to be a part of our church. Do you believe that Jesus is God incarnate? Do you believe that he's the only means of salvation? Because if you don't believe that, you're going to be irritated every week when I call people to give their lives to Jesus. Really. If you think that Muhammad is another way and, you know, the tree is another way and, you know, whatever is another way, you're going to be, you're, I'm going to offend you every single week, I promise you. If, if, if you don't acknowledge that the Bible is the word of God, this isn't an allegory, it's not fallible, it's not, you know, whatever we get to, it's not a buffet, we just choose whatever we want to out of it. No, this is the infallible, inspired word of God. If you don't believe that, you're going to get irritated because every week I'm going to make you stand to honor the reading of God's word. And I will preach from the Bible, not from a newspaper, not my own preference. This is, they're getting ready to play me off because we're starting our, uh, <laughs> we're starting our discover track. That's good. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're holding me accountable. <laughs> and I have to humble myself, right? So, um, on and on. You know, and, and the Bible gives a list here, and you can study these on your own. One body. That's the church. We believe in the church. We believe in the church. It's God's method of establishing the kingdom in the earth. One spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. We're not praying to other spirits. Not the spirit in the crystal. Not the, you know, Hawaiian spirits or anything. There's, there's, this stuff is real. There are real powers behind it, but we only worship one. We're only going after one, and that's the one spirit, the Holy Spirit. We have one hope. That's heaven. We have one Lord. That is the Lord, Jesus Christ. Not just a prophet, not just a good teacher, not just a moral figure. No, he was the Son of God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. We have one faith. What we believe is exclusive. Not many paths to heaven, one path and it's through Jesus. One baptism. Now that's an interesting one. I believe it's talking about water baptism, but there's some smart people who think it might be talking about something else, and that's fine. One God, one Father of all. You'll notice that even right here, just in this one passage, you'll notice in verse 4, you'll see the Spirit. In verse 5, you'll see the Lord Jesus. And in verse 6, you see the Father God. That's the Trinity. We believe in the Trinity. And, uh, well, how does that work? I don't have time for that. I got two minutes, all right? But let me read to you this last phrase, and I'm going to close with this because this is a beautiful thought right here. It says, one God and Father of all, watch this, who is above all, one of the ways we're going to stay in unity is we're all, we're all going after him. We're all going after him. We're all coming from different places. We all have different gifts. Our, all of us have unique callings. But we're all moving the same direction. And that's where we're going to be in agreement. That's where we're going to be in unity. He's above all. He is through all. And he is in you all. Wow. Wow. You know, I think honor... 
in unity would become much easier for us if we would acknowledge what you are doing is you're expressing that's God moving through you. And if you would acknowledge, I mean, nobody's going to scoff or mock God, not amongst believers anyway, right? We're not going to come against God. But why is it that we're okay with coming against our brothers and sisters in the Lord? We'll talk down about them. God is in them. They're a part of this beautiful assembly, this temple that is being formed together, the habitation of God's manifest glory on the earth. And if we would treat people with that sort of respect, listen, brother, I may not always agree with you, and you may express yourself in a way that I don't entirely understand, but I understand that you love the Lord and you're going after Him, that God is operating through you, and you're a reflection of who God is. Wow. Now understand, this is talking about believers. It is talking about believers. It's talking about those who are a part of that one body. But, hallelujah. Hey, I got one minute. Don't walk out. Why don't you stand to your feet all across this room? And we're going to close in a word of prayer. We need Jesus to help us with this, don't we? I need Jesus to help me with this. We're going to be in unity. Can I just pray for you? Lord, I, I, I just thank you for your hand that's on this, on this people, upon this church. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to be a people that are in unity, that we walk with one another, that we honor one another in the call, the way that you move in and through each and every one of us. Lord, I ask that you would help us with our perspective, that you would help us to be all that you've called us to be. Lord, help us. Help us to deal with our own walk, to be humble, to be long-suffering, to be patient with people, mighty God, to be meek, O oh Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to do our part and to carry our weight in this call. Mighty God. Can I lead us in a declaration? Somebody, you, Some of you here right now, you, you may be in a, a place where you're away from the Lord. And the Bible says that if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. And I just want to help you with those words right now. Maybe you're here, and normally I'd take a, a minute longer, but I, I really am trying to honor our other teams and getting to the next thing that we've got. But um, I want to lead us in a declaration. And if you need Jesus Christ to forgive you, to wash away your sins, we're going to call on him right now. Would you just repeat this prayer with me, everybody within the sound of my voice? Pray, dear Jesus. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me, wash me, cleanse me by your blood. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Be my very best friend. I give myself to you. I believe you died for my sin and you rose from the dead. You're coming back soon, and I'm going to be ready. Jesus, do a great work in my life. Fulfill your call on my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, give him praise right now. Hallelujah.